and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. You did indeed do it to us this week. We watched the movie that you, the audience, picked. That means my two other wonderful co-hosts also suffered or delightfully watched, depending on who you are. This movie that we watched this week, Nicole Davis, how was how was your movie experience this week? <laughs> uh, I watched this on my laptop while a Rift Tracks movie was playing in the background, and I was playing Simon's Cat Crunch Time on my phone, <laughs> and I was still bored. So <laughs> Nicole, this is typically I'm the one that watches like somewhat half focused, doing seven other things, maybe an hour before the movie <laughs> before the recording. Yeah. But uh, I was ahead on this, and I was ahead on this because my fiance, uh, bless her wonderful heart, put this movie in our in our thing, and she she that's only one vote. I don't know who the rest of the votes were, but there were enough people to vote on this movie that it won. David Luzader, you'd seen this movie before. How are you doing this evening? Yes, uh, I'm doing well. This movie is somehow eleven years old. Right, and that horrifies me. <laughs> Did you? Because you said you saw this when you were in college, right? Yeah, I saw this uh, doing the math on it. I was 19 when I first saw this movie, so I was prime age for it back in 2008 when this movie <laughs> first came out. And uh, it, it is my first time seeing it since. Yeah, you you were indeed prime age. Next week, though, we're going to be doing a new round of movie go round. And that means we go back to new to two. It is one of those uh, rounds where I'm actually the double because I picked last week's movie and now I'm picking next week's movie because the math just worked out in my favor there. That means we are going to be watching school days. If you've never seen that before, obviously my two co-hosts have not. It came out in 1988. It is a uh, indie Spike Lee film. One of his very earliest, I believe his second film. And, uh, also kind of a musical. <laughs> I'm very interested to talk about it. It's a great movie. Uh, so 1988 school days. That's what we're going to be watching next week. Also our sp- our first Spike Lee film, but this week good, good. I'm excited. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to dig, dig into, especially because it's a, it's totally different than a lot of Spike Lee. You might be familiar with. It's more of an obscure. It's a deep cut. So this week, not a deep cut. A lot of people have seen this. It's become a cultural touchstone for better or for worse. Step Brothers came out in 2008. Two aimless middle-aged losers still living at home are forced against their will to become roommates when their parents marry. That's the extent of the synopsis that we have. Yeah, this movie, watching it again, I'm like, there's kind of a plot at parts. There's like a loose string of things that happen. That yeah. the characters just kind of react to, but there's no real story. It's kind of one scenario after another. Yeah. You can tell that they sat down and they brainstormed. What would it be like if these two guys who never got mentally past the age of about 17? Uh, 17 feels what, generous, but go on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like 13. <laughs> and you know, what, what would that be like if they encountered each other? Would they hate each other at first and then discover that they're so alike that they must be best buddies? Did or? we just become best friends? 
So, yeah. so when when, I, when this movie started up, I forgot how quickly it gets into the premise, which I kind of appreciate. Yeah. Uh, I kind of appreciate how quickly they're just like, all right, here's these two guys, 40 years old, living at home. Their parents meet, and then bam, they're married. Okay, they're moving in. Great. But there's like the scene when John C. Riley is showing him around, showing Will Ferrell around the house. Uh, and I just, as I'm watching it, I'm like, this, I've seen this scene a bunch of times in so many blended family comedies where here is the the guy who like, this is my house and you're, you're the person moving in. It's like, whatever you do, you can't touch my drum set. It's like, so they're, they're trying to play with these like well-established tropes but they don't play around with them in any clever way. They just make yeah. the characters 40. <laughs> yeah. They act exactly like the kids in blended family dramas act, except they're 40. <laughs> Which like the, even that premise. Okay. Blended family comedy, but the, like, but the, the new kids are 40. You can, there's stuff to do there. There's stuff to explore, but they went like with the most, I mean, I, I'll just juvenile, I guess, way of it. Of like, what if we just made it straight up made it like two 40 year old guys talking like they're 13 year olds who just discovered swearing. And, and that's the thing is you mentioned juvenile and, and it's in our discussion topic as well. And even as somebody who is, you know, you know, in his mid twenties, it just doesn't do a lot for me. It's- and I was thinking, you know, like, is this just my generations or maybe even the generation before is that is it our three stooges like is this something that's juvenile and stupid and i bop you on the head and it's funny because i'm putting my hairy testicles on your drum set uh is that just what it is i think that's kind of what it is so as was mentioned before i saw this movie when i was 19 which is exactly who this movie was going for <laughs> when this movie came out and i remember it being funny i probably laughed uh, at the same jokes now that I did then, but I probably laughed a little bit more at some of the ridiculousness of it because I was young and dumb. That's just like, you know, it, it, it probably struck a chord with me that now as a 30 year old adult, I'm like, Hmm, okay, no, but (laughs) thanks. Thanks for trying. And it's just so in that, in that night, you know, 14 to, to 21 year old frame, like, yeah, that's the target demo. And none of us are in that target demo no there's a love of this the movie though you know my my uh i have people in my family that love this movie i have people i know that are you know much older than the target demo of this that just adore it because there's this love of the will ferrell john c Riley collaboration of the mid 2000s a la this talladega nights um they did some other stuff together I, before i would yeah. the wall came crumbling down yeah, I would say this was kind of the last one that was considered "quote unquote" good. Um, I'm trying to pull up the just the the general. Yeah, okay. Will Ferrell's filmography because you had what you had Anchorman in 2004, right? Uh, which you know everybody's nuts about Anchorman. Uh, well, Talladega Nights in 2006. Then you had semi-pro. Okay, that didn't really work out in the whole Will Ferrell doing uh, sure. sport, sports comedies. I think this was like the next one of, like, yeah, this was two years later. This was the next of the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley movies. And this is, I think, where it started kind of being like, okay. Maybe yeah, you guys are out of ideas. Right. Uh, well, no, I think they were really out of ideas last year with Holmes and Watson. Yeah. Right? That was the... 
that was the death knell. That was, that was distressing though. <laughs> um, let's look at some of our discussion topics though. Let's talk about the man child in movies and TV. Nicole linked us a wonderful, actually an article in this earlier today. I read I through it. I'm going to put it in our show notes as well. Cause I think it, you know, th- these guys are not the first duo to try to do this. This is Adam Sandler into the eighties, right? This is Billy Madison and, and so many other movies. This is Arthur. Yeah, Adam it's all Sandler these different- is kind of like the, the poster boy for man child movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so there is a a so I was on Box Office Mojo and there is a, a way to look up films by genre, but they don't just do like, you know, action, comedy, blah blah blah. They they break stuff down like comedy different kinds, like comedy high school, comedy R-rated youth, and there is comedy arrested development, which yeah. I think yeah. is exactly where this fits in. Yeah. Is that is that's also that's also kind of Arthur, isn't it, even before Adam Sandler days? Yeah, uh, and by the way, Step Brothers was number eight in that category of what's, arrest. Of what's number one? <laughs> number one is Ted. <laughs> oh sure. Oh yeah. perfect. Yeah, I think Ted's funnier than this though. Um, <sighs> so Ted's a different kind of comedy though. Ted's Ted's kind of like pothead comedy, whereas this is just straight juvenile. But it does have its moments. I feel like we shouldn't just shit on it because well, a lot we, of people like this movie. They voted on it. No, I will. I will. Be, I will happily proffer examples of things that I found amusing. But I mean, I found this this article, and it really it it captures a lot of the things that really bother me about this trope in the movies. And this is an article from the Houston Press by a fellow named Jeff Rauner, and uh, he gives five major major problems with it uh number five they trivialize entire art mediums uh by classifying things like video games uh collecting uh comic books going to cons uh interest in anime as juvenile and that you need to put those things away in order to be a functional adult uh they trivialize occupations uh like working in a big box store or being waitstaff or you know uh, and he he puts it well, saying, "I truly hate this trip because it furthers the idea that there are kid jobs and real jobs, what makes it which makes it all the more easy for the bosses of the world to pay workers below a living wage for certain work." Um, they tell number three, they tell you that women are the answer to all your problems. You know that these men are forced to grow up to be with a mature woman who, for some reason, finds this, you know, man, baby attractive. Because she's not a functional adult woman if she's finding this man baby attractive, I have to tell you right now <laughs> as a woman. Um, yeah, he says two problems with this trope. One, it's almost always kind of creepily cast the romantic interest in a mother figure sort of way. And second, it broadcasts this dumb, dangerous idea that you need to be for you to become a better person. You need someone to love you. Um which I would I would argue that's the only thing this movie plays around with in any sort of good way when it comes to their relationships with women. That that is I think an actual like let's play around with the trope, uh, but for everything else that you're saying, absolutely does apply to this movie. Yeah, uh, number two, they imply that it's a normal phase, um, <laughs> where it is not. <laughs> I can tell you as someone who went to high school and then college and then 
graduated from college and went and got a job and paid bills and my taxes and, you know, car insurance. Um, and yeah. yet still maintained my sense of fun. This is not a necessary or productive stage of development. No. And even like not, like, not you know, because you're like, oh, you're a woman. They're more mature. Like as a, as a man who is in his 30s, I still very much enjoy anime and, and fun stuff and, and movies and comic books and all that jazz. I also have stocks and I pay taxes. <laughs> like I am, I am very much firmly footed in like the adult world. That doesn't mean that I can't in like, just because I like I'm watching full metal alchemist brotherhood right now. doesn't mean that like yep. I'm an immature boy rolling around. Now, right. David though, do you, do you go on riverboat gambling trips and yes. Why does that shit with the door open? <laughs> and uh, there's several other ones. In there. Well, they, 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 they also, the, the, the stuff they discuss is very important. Look, if you're not going oh, on a riverboat yeah. gambling trip, regardless of gender, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, the number one reason that's in this article that it, I hadn't been able to, it, it hadn't coalesced in my brain, but this is really it is number one. It is so privileged. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he says, you know what? I've never seen an Adam Sandler flick, him struggling to make the rent or facing anti-Semitism. Uh, it's very classist. It's very boring. You know, you can, being this self-indulgent takes resources and, you know, it's, it's vexing. There are a lot of, you know, 40-year-olds in this world who've been in the workforce for 22 years, you know, or more. <laughs> and living responsible lives. And so, so I, I realized this was a long, a long uh, diversion here. But no, but it's is, an important it, one. It, it seriously bothers me. And it happens in so many movies, which are and in a number that is grossly out of proportion to the well, number of men who behave this way. And, and I think, and I think the audiences have responded to that a little bit. And like, I don't think it's as much of a, a driving force in comedies these days. Looking even at that, the number, the genre I was talking about for the comedy arrested development, you know, they only show you the top 24 movies that have grossed, but a lot of them, you know, are within the last couple of decades. But the newest one is 2012. There's nothing past that. Uh, because I think largely all of our man children have gone into the Marvel movies. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I feel like it's not as much of a thing in comedies anymore. That's just me. I don't know if people have like examples they want to throw my way. Please do. But I, I mean, I think like Holmes and Watson is this thing, and but and people were just like, no, no, we don't want it. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. You don't even have like the. You don't even have like the people who like. Yeah, the movie's not good, but it's funny. Like that people, those people aren't here for that movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think. When you when you say Arrested Development, I think of the show Arrested Development, which is which is an yeah. amazing show, but it certainly has the character of Buster uh, Bluth, who is in that stage that these guys are in in many ways. But um, it's done um, in a smart way. Yeah, Tony Tony Hale's Tony Hale's execution of his character is so much better than, in, in my opinion, the way these guys play these characters. Though I will say, out of the two of them, 
I think John C. Riley is riffing on this a little more than Will Ferrell is. He seems to be having more fun with it, and I think he's a little sharper with the jokes. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, Brett, Brett and I were talking about this a little bit uh, before we started recording, that every time this, every time there's an opportunity to go for a joke, and there's like two or three different ways you could take it, they always take the dumbest, most boring way. Like, yeah. once you, you better not go to sleep or I'm going to punch you in the face. Or I'm going to put soap in a sock and hit you with it. I'm going to stab you in the neck with a knife. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to touch I your think, drum set. Just, right. I think part of that is is charming for a lot of people. You know, I watch this with how? my fiance who does love this. I, Why? Because, because she's asleep right now. I pull her on mic. But I think, I think part of it's just like, I'm going to stab you in the neck with a knife. And it's like this like drawn out delivery of you expect him to say something quirkier than he actually is able to figure out how to say. I think that's part of it. I think, well, I think it's also like, this is... You know, this is like the level of clever people kind of are. I gotta, I wonder how much of this movie was just them doing a million takes and them riffing, you know? Right. That's kind like of how it comes off to me. Bit. I'll stab you in the neck with a knife was probably like, I'll shoot you in the penis with a machine gun. Like they probably said a million different things. It was right. like, yeah, this one felt like more natural maybe than others. I don't know. I'm not going to try to defend anything this movie does, but I think the reason that it might be appealed to people is because it's like, yeah, like Brett said, it's the, ex- it's the extremeness of all of their threats. Like what, uh, the, uh, Will Ferrell calls Richard Jenkins, a geriatric F. I'm not going to say it on this show. And I, I, when I was watching that day, I was like, Holy crap. Like that's so extreme to call anybody. Well, yeah. And it's, it's another, I mean, they are they are making fun of how privileged and entitled these guys are, but the way they're doing it just makes me more annoyed with them rather than amused. It's yeah, it's be, it's because like they they're wanting they want to play with these tropes, but they don't want to play with them in a mean. Like as I said earlier, they don't want to play them in a meaningful way. They just want to play in the sandbox. Yes, thank you. That's the good way to put it. That's what it that's what it was like watching. It was like watching people. I think that's another thing I don't like about it. It feels like it's a like a second draft, maybe. You know, like they it's like watching people sitting around at a table brainstorming and working out how they're gonna do it, but not it it doesn't seem quite like the finished product to me. Yeah. Honestly, I could have I could have kept this movie firmly in my memory of eleven years ago, and remember, yeah, I enjoyed that movie and having n- never see it again. I never had to see it again. Like, I got the most enjoyment I was ever going to get out of this movie at nineteen years old. Yeah, the, I, I think we should talk about some of the things that we did find amusing. Um, it does okay. it does have its moments. <laughs> uh, basically, I think the. I think them trying to thwart Adam Scott selling their parents' home is funny. I think John C. Riley yes. in in the in the clan outfit, you know, cutting the hedges of the neighbor's lawn, saying everybody here recycles and waving nicely at them, while Will Ferrell's mowing the lawn as a Nazi. Like the, I, 
that I found amusing. I thought that was funny. I thought that was clever when they had, you know, dead Will Ferrell on the ground from the asbestos in the house. My favorite part of that is the woman saying, I've seen too many dead bodies. I know. <laughs> and, so I, and I love away. Adam Scott walking them into the house where he's like saying this house is so fresh you can shoot your hoops over there and this this african-american couple's looking at one another like what the hell and that's um and i just want to point that's that's phil lamar um which you probably haven't seen phil lamar very much but you've heard heard phil lamar a lot he's uh hermes from futurama um god he's been in a, a million things he was in pulp fiction he was marvin in pulp fiction Oh, okay. Uh, he does a ton of voice work. Samurai Jack and Samurai Jack, like he is sure all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that little segment, <laughs> and then I love that Adam Scott recognizes like that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. I appreciate that one. Adam right. Scott, as Nicole said in our Slack while we were watching this movie, has the most punchable face in the world. Oh well, they the, it's his haircut in this movie. I and the sideburns <laughs> that go down to the jawline, <laughs> like yeah, it's just oh, but. I probably laugh the most at his lines than anybody because of yeah. just because because it's Adam Scott. Like I'm laughing at him now because I know Adam Scott from uh, Parks and Rec and and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and just to see him as this guy again, and just I love that scene of like when he lifts up his shirt to show his abs, and it's very clearly not him. When yeah, they show right. the abs. It's like these Absolutely baby somebody oiled, else. Baby oiled bodybuilders abs. Oh that, that got me. Yeah, I mean this is he's he's playing a character who like mentally and emotionally got maybe five years further than his brother and then right. stopped he, again. High school high school was his the, his peak. He's figured out Except how to he's work also very successful to function in a in a job that allows him to be this manipulative douchey guy and get away with it. Right. Yeah, though I I his character in this reminds me most of um him in the good place, which I know David also watches. Yes. Where he yeah. plays he essentially plays the you know some dude a, from devil. A, I mean, demon, some dude from yeah. hell. Yeah, he plays a demon from hell. So yeah, I, he's, they, they're, he's, they're largely the same character. I would uh, I would agree. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fun to see Adam Scott in those kind of roles, especially considering you know he was Ben for so long. Right. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. was, and and him uh, forcing his his family to sing "Sweet Child of Mine" a cappella in the car. Oh my god, that. In harmony. His wife. I'm paying, paying twelve hundred dollars a week in voice lessons, and this is what it gets me. Who is she studying with? <laughs> I know twelve. Is it twelve hundred? She's for taking the whole lessons family? with Leontine Price or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and and I also really enjoyed. Uh, I I've heard the boats and hose song. I I it is so juvenile, but it's the one juvenile part of this movie that I did find immensely amusing. And I think the I reason I find it, it <laughs> and the reason I like personally I find it so great is because having worked for several years when I was in college as you know someone who wrote press releases and did reviews and interviews for independent bands. I got stuff like that like every week. <laughs> like it is a real thing where people will make something that absurd and think it's fantastic and call themselves uh you know entertainment on 
Unlimited or whatever it is there. Prestige, Prestige Worldwide, which is Prestige such Worldwide, a good, such a good entertainment company name. Right. So I, I've seen people do this, which I think is why it was even funnier to me. But the the whole presentation of trying to get Adam Scott's character to invest in Prestige Worldwide, followed by the Boats and Hose music video, and them crashing Richard it, Jenkins's boat. It's and, a good scene. Uh, they were supposed to make a rap album. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley were because of this movie, and that fell through. Uh, sure. With, <laughs> with Poets and Hose, I will say the scene at the end when Will Ferrell's singing his song and John C. Riley's on the drums, and he just occasionally leans over and goes, Boats and Hose during an <laughs> opera number. I, yeah, it, it has charm funny. to it. It has some charm to it in that regard. And uh, what else do we have? We actually had to make a list of stuff we liked, which is probably not totally uh, indicative of how we thought about this movie. <laughs> no, this, the stuff they say when, they, when they're just about to wake up from sleepwalking or sleep talking. I'm going to punch you right on the mouth, Kenny Rogers. I'll <laughs> punch you, Leonard Nimoy, or something. <laughs> I, love, I love when, when the mom's like, what were you guys dreaming about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though yeah. the. Uh, the the sleepwalking gimmick gets old. Uh, they they find a way to every time revitalize it a little bit. I do love that both of them put things in peculiar places. Uh, no, you know. no, see, that's the thing I found dumb. You know, this, the really? sleep talking part was funny and was clever because they're mumbling oh, really? these nonsensical things as they're being woken up. But like, one of them puts pillows in the oven, and the other one puts the purse in the freezer. It's like I. I'm just like, uh, yeah, and you know, how, how did you feel about funny them? Things to do while you're asleep, right? How did you feel about them dragging in all the Christmas presents followed by the Christmas tree? Wait, how did you get the Christmas tree up there? <laughs> the Christmas yeah, tree is pretty good, and them throwing it, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's they really nail it at the end when the um. The psychologist shows up. Brennan's psychologist shows up because he he threatened suicide to her over the phone. So she shows up to this event at the Catalina Wine Mixer, no, and no, she meets Nicole, the parents, the and she's like, yeah. "Catalina Wine Mixer," yeah, and I'll, I'll be that Catalina Wine Mixer. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, that was funny. Also, how they kept repeating Catalina Wine Mixer over and over again. But they, she shows up and she's meets the parents and she's like oh you guys are enablers you think you're helping but you're so making this worse (laughs) it's just you know the parents have been indulging this they've been letting their kids live with them Mm-hmm. And into age forty, and not never have to really get a job, or yeah. and you have you have Richard Jenkins who like tries to act like he's better than than Mary Steenburgen about it, but he's not at yeah. all. He's just as culpable. But also Richard Jenkins' story about pretending to be a dinosaur. What <laughs> is this? He's like, I can't remember how to do it. But gonna, but the best part about that is that Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are both like, what you you can't be a dinosaur. You're a human. As if like, as if like they're the people who should be telling anybody that. Don't lose your dinosaur. Uh, it's something I've actually heard said, and now I know why. Uh, but but here's the thing: it wasn't him being a dinosaur when he was a kid. He was as arrested as either of them. He stopped doing it when he was nineteen. Like and and see, there's like there's almost something there of just because you're an adult doesn't mean you have to stop being yourself. Right, which is right? the message that this movie seems to be saying. You know, there's a, it, it takes the a very way. sharp 
when they when they do actually have to go out and get jobs, suddenly they become super responsible and dull and boring, but focused and, you know, getting things done and functioning properly. But they, in order to do so, they have to give up everything they've ever been, you know, and it's just now there's a there's a there's a middle ground here. <laughs> what, I, what I love is people who like who vote for these movies who are like, yeah, we're these guys, they're going to be just like tortured and totally like off their off their game. And then they some of these episodes and like, we're like, well, you see, if they had only tried to subvert the trope, taken, <laughs> you know, like we're like approaching this as if we're film critics and the people are just like, oh, come on. I just wanted you to watch a dumb movie. <laughs> yeah and there's also i nicole called it out i believe in slack there's a, there's a great line in the in the boats and hose presentation we put, we put liquid paper on a pee to see what happened right. it died it died <laughs> like there's there are some gems here there well, are some the, really genuinely funny lines yeah, i missed the, a lot of stuff that didn't really appeal to me but it was there's some funny stuff no, and I think that's how this movie probably survived in my brain is the the quotable lines. Uh, I'm, I'm burying you alive. Uh, <laughs> Nicole mentioned also Catherine Hahn in our show notes, uh, who plays Adam Scott's wife. Yes. Oh, my God. And as soon as she finds out that Dale punched him in the face, she's incredibly turned on by him. Her, her lifting nothing more than to like plaster herself to him. Her lifting her leg up at the urinal will never not be funny. <laughs> Followed by Stay Golden, Pony that Boy. That is very difficult. As a woman who has tried to pee standing up once or twice, this is not... But she does it with such confidence. Yeah. Well, you have to. You have to do it with confidence or it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Yeah, no, I, and I do love the Stay Golden, Pony Boy after that. That is... It's a good line. Um, stay Golden, Pony Boy. Yeah. Uh, so so let's let's talk a little bit more about Roger Ebert. And he said, when did comedies get so mean? Is this movie yeah. mean? Well, first so, of all, when did he ask that? Like, what so prompted the, that for It him? was for this movie. It was in the review for oh, this okay. movie. Um, I should have added a little bit more. Let me, let me read the full quote, uh, which was, um, where the heck is that line? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Roger Ebert gave the film one and a half out of four stars and said, when did comedies get so mean? Step Brothers is a premise that might have produced a good time at the movies, but when I left, I felt a little unclean. This movie made Roger Ebert <laughs> Oh, so, so innocent in 2008. I know. Little did he know. Movies have gotten meaner, Roger. Uh, Roger, since you uh, yeah, been when gone. when did Clown come out? Oh my god. Uh, oh, that's a I deep mean, well, cut, David. I remember that's that's what like, we talked I'm about. I want to say 2012. Can can a movie be mean spirited? And I think <laughs> this movie kind like I don't know if this movie itself is mean spirited, but the characters are. Yeah, well, the characters are just incredibly selfish. Yeah, right. You know, and it's it's that's like mean spirited by default. It's not the primary thing that they're doing, but it's a major result of what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. And, and they never, I struggle with the, the latter part of this movie of them growing up because even when they grow up, it, maybe it's just, it happens too fast at the end of the movie. 
it, we yeah. spent and we spent an hour and 20 minutes with them in this state of complete complete arrested development and now we're finally seeing what they might be kind of like if they were grown ass adults and uh well, speaking of ass adults i mean well, what wills what what's will ferrell's defining moment of being an adult is when he runs out of toilet paper he wipes oh. his own butt with a bath mat and then goes and buys <laughs> toilet paper well first he what? uses the sink as like well, a he sticks his ass yeah. in the sink right <laughs> like, while doing you're this. on the right track buddy your shower is probably on the other side of that room <laughs> yeah there was like there was like a little there's there's like a little bath scrubby on the edge of the sink you know like that that also yeah there's like there's like a little loofah he probably could have uh loofah would have yeah. been cheaper than the mat though though that uh, mat also looked like it had to go anyway um oh it's just <laughs> just like yeah, yeah he, he's working on it he's working on it so are Making these guys progress right so do, I, I mentioned in the top of the program that i think again for better or for worse these guys are somewhat of a of a cultural touchstone they kind of i don't want to say they created this kind of comedy because i do think that it's no they definitely did not right and i, and I do think that stupid humor again goes back to the three stooges and before but i i think that the the vulgarity being infused into it definitely kind of took hold in like the peak Will Ferrell years. Yeah. Well, I mean, these guys kind of uh, spun out of the brat pack, I believe it is. What called. is the brat pack? The brat pack is like, um, uh, Vince Estevez, Judd Nelson. <laughs> uh, no, it's a little bit, little bit later. Rob than Lowe. Well, uh, they were also called the Brat Pack back in the mid. Oh, then, then who am I? Then who am I thinking of? It's, it's, it's the the one after the Brat Pack. It's the one that. No, because you're because you're right. Because yeah, that's like Breakfast Club <laughs> and Sixteen Candles and all that yeah. with Brat Pack movies. Um, oh, this is going to kill me if I can't think of the name <laughs> of it. Uh, talk about something else while I figure this out. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is like the Judd, At- Judd Apatow guys. Yeah, this is very much like knocked up type era comedy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like Seth, it's, oh, it's, that reminds me, Seth Rogen literally shows uh, up in this movie. Yeah, sorry, it is much more appropriately named the Frat Pack. Frat Pack. There you go. Which yes. is uh, like Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Ben Stiller, Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen. Um. So like the, the, you know stuff attributed to them is stuff like Zoolander, this movie, Anchorman, sure. um, Dodgeball, uh, Wedding Crashers, Forty Year Old Virgin, you know. Okay, the, but there's the, there are, uh, there's such a gradation of cleverness and and the uh, I mean, am I being elitist? I mean, you know, like I find the the smarter jokes funnier. I mean, um, there are even some lines in this movie that that are more they're dumb lines, but they're cleverly done. You no, know, I, like Brennan, they're in the treehouse, and Brennan says, "You know what? I still hate you, but you got a pretty awesome collection of nudie mags." And Dale <laughs> says, "Yeah, I got them from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Masturbating in a time machine. I got them from the seventies, eighties, and nineties." So like, no, I think, I think there's something, because I, I think the thing that we all criticize Adam Sandler for now is I think what this movie also did, which this movie was a chance for two buddies to make a movie together and just like, you know, cause that's what Adam Sandler does now, right? He makes movies yeah. for his he friends. Makes movies with his friends. 
uh, or movies that let him go, you know, film in Africa and take his family uh, for a vacation. Like, I think that's kind of what this movie was a little bit of like, it's just, Hey, you know, it'd be really funny if we made this movie about two guys who haven't really grown up. Okay, cool. Let's make it this weekend sort of thing. Like it was, it was filmed over a couple of weeks with mostly a case of beer. Right. And I think you're very fair in saying that this is the kind of thing that we do poke at Adam Sandler for nowadays, because it does, I mean, it's gotten old. I think that's part of the problem. And part of the problem with Holmes and Watson is that if you're going to have these guys that just want to make movies with their buddies, there's going to be a burnout of seeing these guys do the same jokes over and over yeah. with their buddies. It's why I don't want to see Adam, Adam Sandler with Steve Buscemi and, and David, Sp- and David Spade and all these David Spade, um, James, who am I thinking of? Not James Spade. <laughs> I don't know. James Spader. You're thinking of James Spader. Continue. It's another reason that, you know, Kevin Smith's movies have gotten further and further apart. And he's done. I mean, he's going back to Jay and Silent Bob this year. But in the meantime, he's made, you know, Red State and Tusk and God help us yoga hosers. (laughs) And, you know, he's he's done some different things in between he's tried to go in different directions yeah i think i think that will will ferrell has has kind of proven that things break down in thirds with him right because you have uh you know talladega nights comes out people really like talladega nights blade you know blades of glory comes out ah it's another that's that's another will ferrell being a sports star sort of movie okay great semi-pro comes out everybody's like nope we've had it. We don't, we can, we can let you be a, a rock star skate pro, but we can't buy you as a basketball. I honestly have never heard of that movie. (laughs) I have not, but I remember Blades of Glory because of the the scene with with him and whoever his comedic counterpart was in that movie, the blonde guy, John Hedder. John Hedder. It's it's, and, and they're, Right. Dynamite. Oh, Jesus. Dynamite. Wow. Yeah. wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. And they're, they're, da- they, they have a, a dance slash skate scene. I, it's figure skating to, um, to Aerosmith's yeah. Don't Want to Miss a Thing, uh, which is really distressing if you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it is very, a dist- it's <laughs> a very distressing scene. If you're trying to tell me that Blades of Glory is not, a modern masterpiece, then I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> David Lusader has left the call. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I think this is part of the reason that Holmes and Watson, aside from the fact that people are just done with the style of comedy, they're just done with these two in particular, because I really like, I like John C. Riley a lot. I like him in other things. I will Ferrell's will Ferrell. Do you mean these two as a duo, or do you mean these two in general? Because I would say in general, I, I would disagree. These two with as you. a duo. That's why, I, like, I like, I think, oh, I think they okay, yeah. they can oh, do a lot of interesting things separate at times, but they just evolve into this when they're together. Like John C. John C. Riley yeah. in that weird like King Kong that didn't do particularly well, but I guess was critically enjoyed somewhat. I, I learned this week he was great in that movie. It was such a bizarre character for him, and he nailed it. Oh, yeah, Skull, Skull Island. Island. Yeah, he was like the yeah. the creepy old like veteran that was abandoned on the island and has lived yeah. there and is now like best buddies with the people and made friends with the locals and respects their ways. Right, except and, the locals are I not mean, Peter Jackson yeah. locals that bash your head in with a rock. They're like they think he's a god. Um, yeah, I yeah, John C. Riley 
has a much different career than Will Ferrell when he's not with he's Will Boogie Ferrell. Nights. Like, yes. He's in well he's but he's in Boogie Nights. He's in Chicago. Right. He has a he's fantastic in Chicago. He's in Gangs of right. New York. I mean, yeah, he's done some comedies, you know, like Walk Hard and stuff like that. Uh he did uh, the Sisters Brothers. Oh yeah. Last yes. year with Joaquin Phoenix, which was this little indie that I didn't it's one of those movies that I recognize as good, but I didn't enjoy. Sure. Mm. <laughs> but he is fan he is fantastic in it. And he's up against Joaquin Phoenix, who, while he can be erratic, I think is one of the most genius actors of his generation. Right. Um and and he's not only holding his own, but actually, do, you know, John C. Reilly is actually dominating that movie in terms of the his his screen presence and the depth of his character. I mean, he's such a bizarre actor in a real beautiful way. I mean, he also has this crazy show called Check It Out with Doctor Steve Brule. Yeah, uh, which I think that is a show where the where the the stuff you can look up on YouTube is going to be way funnier than the actual show itself. Ah, uh, okay. But uh, John C. gets a Tim and Eric thing. Um, John C. Riley, just man, he's a great actor. Yes, he is. I do like him a lot, and I, I don't want to see more of him with yeah. Will Ferrell. I like him. I actually, I you know, I like Will Ferrell too. I think Will Ferrell can be very funny, but I, I don't like the you know, the super juvenile stuff. You know, old school is not my bag. Um, I actually really liked his, his run on the office. You know, there's this genius moment where he does invisible juggling. Uh, I mean, Will Ferrell is a great comic. He really is. I go watch his old SNL stuff. Like the, the cat, the cat toy executive, uh, which I think is one of his best skits. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, look up. Will Ferrell's cat toy executive. That's something he like wrote and auditioned with. And it's still really funny. It's this guy who, you know, okay, we have, you know, it's like they're at a board meeting. It's like, we have a new cat toy to, uh, to bring to market. And then Will Ferrell's like, well, all right, let me, let me, let me try this bad boy out. And he starts playing it with like, a, like, like a cat would on the conference room table. <laughs> it's great. I mean, he's great in stuff like the Lego movie as well. Megamind. Oh, have you guys seen yeah, Megamind? I have. Okay. Well, uh, sorry. <laughs> his best role for me will always be him doing Georgia W. It's great. He is one of the best political com- comics and interpreters that SNL has ever no, his, had. His George W. is great. Didn't he have a stage show? I probably. I, I would. I'd go see that. I, I know that the guy who plays Trump right now is touring. Like he's doing the guy who who has his own TV show about Trump on Comedy Central. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did something similar. Yeah. Um, so I, but yeah, just together, I don't know if it, if it totally works for me, though I do appreciate boats and hose yeah. as much as the and next I, person. I, feel, I felt bad for Richard Jenkins here. <laughs> He's slumming it. <laughs> I mean, Richard Jenkins was probably like, no one lets me do comedy. Please let me be in this movie. Right. But oh. it's just, look, I don't doubt whatever the, how this movie turned out. They did not have a great time making it. I bet it was so much fun to be on this set. Oh yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. And I mean, I didn't hate every, you know, juvenile thing about it. I, I just most of it. I could not help myself. I laughed when he came out with the term ball fro. <laughs> uh, 
What did he say that? When he's talking, he's talking about, about his, how he envisioned his, you know, his new stepmother, him coming out of the shower with oh, his right. yes. chest pubes leading to his ball fro. Right, right before <laughs> riverboat gambling. Yes. Right before yes. the riverboat gambling. But, yeah. you know, and the, and the the other one where Brennan's in the back of the car and he's just like, I'm not going to call him dad. She's like, you're almost 40. I don't expect you to call him dad. He's like, not even if there's a fire. And <laughs> <laughs> him, Will Ferrell constantly trying to hug Richard Jenkins, I thought was a really great joke. Yeah, trying to uh, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And then like the, the hug with Adam Scott at the end, I also really yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, that, that was good. Two that guys who've good. never hugged. They just yeah. ended, ended in a high five. <laughs> right. Yeah. Though... Because that's just all his brother Derek is capable of. Yeah. Right. I love, like, he, he thinks of one good memory he has with Will Ferrell, and it's them flying a kite <laughs> as small children. Also, how, how did you guys feel about the therapist coming full circle at the end and uh, being okay. with, being with uh, Brennan? Yeah, the it's fantasy so- where he bursts into her. Like a lumberjack? Despite myself. Yeah, I've traveled 500 miles to give you my seed is a line that stuck with me when I first saw it and still made me laugh today. That's that's one where Will Ferrell shows his skill with delivery. Yeah. <laughs> of a that's dumb like, that's like actual thought I and mean, like the scene, like the, the fantasy where Catherine Hahn sees John C. Riley as a centaur. <laughs> And they're not speaking English. <laughs> yeah, they're speaking some nonsense made up, you know, Lord of the Rings language. Like th- those those <laughs> things, like they actually put as good effort into those bits and they're really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't like it. like it because a lot of I found a lot of it to be just not to my taste and dull. Yeah, I think it's so, one of those movies where funny bits. Yeah, it had it had funny moments, but when you put it all together, it's like almost two it, two hours with the extended cut that we probably watched. And it's a lot to get through to get to the funny bits. It could, yeah, it could have been tied together better. Right, I think it was the original original cut was like ninety minutes. That's what I saw. Like yeah, oh, there's an unrated cut that's like hundred and ten minutes or Ugh, something. I'm good. Yeah, I don't. I don't need <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't need that. <laughs> I went with the 92 minute version. So David, you did mention, you know, Richard Jenkins just let me do comedy. And uh, we've actually seen two comedies from this era with Richard Jenkins. I was just reminded of on his IMDb. Well, yeah. Cabin, Cabin in, the in the Woods and Burn After Reading. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, he was. He's her boss reading. at Burn After Reading. After reading. Uh, and, but he plays, a, he plays a straight man in Burn After Reading. He doesn't get yeah. to do any of the That's funny true, bits. but he is the only likable character of that movie. <laughs> He's the savior. Yes. Richard, Richard Jenkins is such the epitome of exactly what he does that I'm just looking at his filmography, and I forget how many movies I've seen him in. Oh, yeah. he's. I forgot he's in Shape of Water. I love <laughs> Shape of he's Water. He's got the, like, the Paul Giamatti thing going on for him where he's the perfect supporting actor. In so many things that he's in, but you don't see him take the lead very he's often. Guy. He's not that guy. Yeah, except you know his but, name. Well, except except that Paul Giamatti has a very distinct way of talking that makes him stand out. That is true. That is very true. Well, it's, it's Paul Giamatti, everybody. <laughs> okay, that was my bad, Paul sure. Giamatti. Email us your impressions of Paul Giamatti at hi at moviegoroundpod dot com. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not even our email. What is our email here? Hi at MGRpodcast.com. My bad. 
mgrpodcast.com. You can email us there. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you voted for this, because we do want to hear what people love about this movie. You know, did you listen to this and were you yelling at your headphones saying, oh my God, they didn't talk about this and it's so funny. Like, please let us know. Right. You didn't, you guys didn't get it. Yeah, let us know if we didn't get yeah. it. Yeah, that'll probably all be directed at me. That's okay. Let us know. <laughs> it's like, you just don't get it. You just can't let go and just enjoy a movie that you turn your brain off. And you understand as a woman who's not a man that is 17 <laughs> years old. Right. Right. As a woman who does not own testicles, you couldn't possibly have found this funny. Yeah. I like how, I like how it's the comic book guy from The Simpsons emailing <laughs> in. I mean, that kind of is the stereotype. Right. Though, seriously, though, again, hi at... Uh, mgrpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you about this. And go and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher as well if you enjoy the show. But David, where can people find you online? You can find me under the username Davluz, that is E-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter and Instagram, you can find me there. And also on the Brokebot Mountain podcast. Very good. What about you, Nicole? Uh, I'm just going to flog our Facebook page this time. <laughs> it is facebook.com slash podcast. Uh, I'm the one who puts up the posts. I'm the one who checks the posts. I'm the one who tweaks the posts and, and, you know, interacts with people on there when people interact, which they almost never do, except for those, you know, those, those occasional <laughs> folks from India who the second I post a movie, I get watch movies streaming for free on such and such a channel and I have to go block them. We have numbers. We know we're not screaming into the void. Please go and interact with us. Yeah, uh, but literally like 50% of my interactions on our Facebook page is blocking people trying to post illegal streaming sites. <laughs> so please, please, please talk to us. Yes, talk yes, to us please more. do. And you can also go on <laughs> social.mgrpodcast.com to get links to all of that, along with our Twitter, along with our personal Twitters. And you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. That'll do it myself, David and Nicole. We will be back next week with a departure from this, most certainly, 1988 Spike Lee uh, School Days. It's his second movie. Be sure to check it out, especially if you're a Spike Lee fan who has never before seen this movie, because it's a really interesting deep cut from his filmography. I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll see you then. 